doing a series on our emotional world, and um, we've traveled kind of a long way. The last uh, few times we've been looking up some more difficult aspects of this uh, series, uh, dealing with more difficult emotions, and so we have one more sort of heavy, heavy message today, uh, and we're going to talk uh, just on the nature of anger, and uh, specifically spending some time talking about uh, being angry with, with God. And uh, probably most Christians that I know of, at some point along their journey, have felt uh, frustrated with God or uh, maybe abandoned by God. They may sense that there's an, there's an anger towards God because of what they're going through, because maybe they don't understand what is happening. And often this frustration or feeling abandoned is, you know, different than their theological understanding because we often understand that God doesn't abandon us, but there are times when we, we feel abandoned or we feel distant or we, we just don't know what is going on, and, and so we cry out, God, where in the world are you? And sometimes that comes out in the form of being angry at God. And, and sometimes we want to immediately shut down anger in us, whether that's anger towards God or anger towards someone else or anger towards a situation, uh, because as we've talked about in this series, sometimes we look at more difficult emotions and we can say that they are actually bad. And so we say things, well, guilt is bad or anger is bad or sadness is bad. And, and if you've been with us, we realize that emotions are not bad. They can be expressed in unhealthy ways, but uh, anger itself is actually not a bad emotion. And we know this because when we look at um, Jesus, for instance, who is the exact representation <laughs> of the Father who came to show us who God is, who is the best image of, of God that we have, who is perfect love manifest, we read through the Gospels that at times he got angry. And so right off the bat, we understand that anger cannot be a bad emotion because Jesus expressed it. And in fact, he expressed it maybe more often than we might like. And just a few of those passages are, for instance, in Mark 10. It says, when Jesus saw what, uh, what was happening, he was angry with his disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them. And, and the disciples got in a little bit of sort of the, you know, the religious mode, where, you know, religion often wants to push people away from, from a relationship with God or put up boundaries. And, and these disciples are saying, you know, Jesus doesn't have time for little kids, you know, he's got more important things to do, or, you know, rabbis don't spend time with kids. They got more serious matters to deal with, and, and Jesus is like, no, and he actually gets upset because the disciples are trying to keep people away from him, and that created anger in him, and in fact, most of the time when you look at the anger coming from Jesus, it is actually towards the, the, the sort of the negative religious crowd that was often kind of putting up barriers between people having access to him. You know, they were getting frustrated that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and, and that actually made Jesus angry, that people were putting up barriers. And of course, the well-known passage in John chapter 2, where it says that Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changer coins over the floor and turned over their tables, then going over to the people who sold dove. He told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And you can just picture Jesus, you know, overturning tables. And, you know, it says he actually makes a whip and, I mean, some serious stuff. 
And no, he wasn't angry because people were selling stuff in the church foyer. Um, it, it was all about, again, people putting up barriers to having people access God. They were charging a lot to exchange money, which put a barrier up for the poor to worship God. And more specifically, this marketplace was set up in the court of the Gentiles, and it was so full that people who were non-Jews didn't have a place to come and worship. It was all about putting up barriers between people coming towards God, and that made Jesus angry. And it still makes him angry today when we, as a church, often put up barriers to certain kinds of people and say, you cannot have access to God. Jesus had anger, and he manifested that anger. And in Matthew 23, we see, again, Jesus kind of releasing anger towards the Pharisees. And there's just no way around this. I mean, it's clear that Jesus was frustrated here. I mean, it doesn't matter how nice you try to put this. It seems Jesus was angry when he says to them things like this, you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind guides, blind fools, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, snakes, sons of vipers. It just seems like Jesus was angry there. I mean, you try to put this, you know, like Jesus saying, oh, you are like whitewashed tombs, snakes, and sons. I mean, just, I mean, it seems Jesus was frustrated. He was because of the barriers people were putting up towards, you know, having people access, uh, access a relationship with God. I mean, Jesus got angry. Which again shows us that anger at times actually can be perfect. It can actually be the perfect response to a situation because Jesus was perfect and his responses were perfect. And, and so when you're feeling anger inside, don't automatically assume that it's wrong or bad. It could actually be perfect and it could be a very good thing. We see in the very definition of love, God's love, agape love, that part of that definition is that it is not easily angered. It doesn't say it's never angered. It says it's not easily angered. Again, God being perfect love, that a part of perfect love sometimes can be anger. And we must understand that God is not like 80% love and 20% anger. He is 100% love. It says God is love, but it's out of that love comes anger out of certain situations and, and same too when we are walking in the spirit and full of the spirit and just walking in the presence of god and and holding on to that out of that love can actually come anger now of course we know that anger can be expressed in unhealthy ways i mean the bible talks a lot about that and that's not the point of this message but it'll just briefly mention a couple of verses like in psalm 4 4 it says don't sin by letting anger control you Think about it overnight and remain silent, interlude, or selah. Think about this. Don't let anger control you. And if you go back to our chat about, you know, our spirit-led selves being in the driver's seat of the school bus, and we have all those emotions back there, don't let anger jump into the driver's seat and control you. Because when anger begins to control you, it always hurt yourself, it'll hurt others, and it damages relationships, and when that anger comes out, I mean, you just can't take it back. I mean, the old saying, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's crap, because words do hurt, and they hurt a lot, and, and you can't, those words, once they're, they're heard and felt, I mean, they remain with you. I mean, I go back, and I can remember, you know, almost every time when, you know, 
my parents were angry with me or we've encountered anger or you know you, those things just do not leave so don't let anger control you or ephesians 4 says in your anger do not sin so right off the bat we see that anger is not wrong it says in your anger don't sin so there is a way of being angry that that doesn't actually result in sin but in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you are still angry do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And so if that, that anger in us is an unhealthy anger, we need to get rid of it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you and so we are to be walking in compassion and walking in forgiveness and walking in kindness just as jesus did but even though jesus walked in forgiveness and kindness and and love there were still times that he got angry and even though we are walking in our full spirit-led selves there can be times where we feel anger and uh, again anger is not always a bad thing so one of the questions we need to ask when when we get angry we feel angry is, is simply why is it there because often we don't ask that question, we just, we just let it out, and we let anger control us. Again, if you go back in our series, when we have difficult emotions, again, pretend you're driving that school bus, there are times when you need to, to go back and sit with that emotion, you need to go sit down with anger, and ask anger, why are you angry? What is going on? What is behind your anger? And maybe you've seen certain diagrams like this, like the anger iceberg, where, you know, what is behind your anger? Are you worried? Are you frustrated? Are you offended? Are you feeling guilty, disrespected, disappointed, trapped, helpless? Are you feeling shame? And if you're feeling those things, then again, you go even deeper below. And, and why are you feeling shame? Why are you feeling guilty? Why are you feeling disappointment? To get to the heart of why you are actually feeling angry. And sometimes things up, come up like this. You may, as you dig down in your anger, find out that you actually need to set better boundaries. And there are times in my life where I've been feeling angry, and I'm like, why? And I'm feeling, I feel I'm helpless. No, why am I feeling helpless? It's because sometimes I don't put up good enough boundaries. Because I'm kind of a people pleaser. I'm a number nine on the Enneagram. I am a peacemaker, and I just want to make everybody happy. And I, so I always say yes, and, and sometimes I get burnt out because I'm so busy, and, and my anger sometimes comes from not actually setting healthy boundaries. Again, when you dig down, you begin to learn things about yourself where you can invite God into and begin to address Maybe you find out that there is an emotional wound that needs healing under there. Maybe you have never acknowledged an injustice that happened to you. Maybe there's a, you're being triggered from a past trauma, and that event is similar to that event in your past. And, and neurologically, when you've been traumatized, you can't separate sort of the current from the past event. It's all kind of amalgamated in one. Maybe you're mourning the loss of something. Maybe there's hidden shame that, that needs to be releasing. And so when you're angry... Dig down, dig down, dig down until you get at the root. And then you want to invite God into that. Say, God, would you meet me here in this and lead me forward? Now, sometimes anger can actually be a good thing. In fact, our anger often actually leads us towards kingdom direction. Uh, because sometimes uh, the way we are wired will cause us to become angry over something. And, and actually, that's God's call for us to get involved. Here's a picture of Mother Teresa, and, you know, Mother Teresa had anger over the way the poor were being treated. 
and how they were left to be hopeless. And that angered her so much that she wanted to get involved and make a difference in this world. And, and a lot of people who are involved in, in world-changing things are actually is coming from an anger. You know, angry that people, you know, don't understand the love of God and that causes them to, to write a book or to, to teach a lesson or to, to start working on that or angry that, you know, people in business aren't very nice and so they, that anger forces them to, you know, I'm going to be a business that really blesses people and anger can actually push you towards something that is very kingdom. So again, anger can actually be a very good thing. It can either highlight somewhere where we need to be, healing, to need to be healed, but it can also be a, a nudge that pushes us towards making a difference in this world because anger can be very powerful. It's a very powerful emotion, so it can be a good kickstart into ministry. Now, I want to spend less of our, less, the rest of our time talking about being angry with God because this has to do, deal with those difficult emotions, the voices of the soul. And um, pretty much every Christian I know at some time, at some point, has been angry with God. Uh, sometimes people say, I've never been angry with God. I just don't believe those people, personally. Uh, because somehow they're saying that they have better faith than, than most of the people in the Bible. Because all over the scriptures, we see that at times people being angry with God. And, I mean, there are times when we feel frustrated and abandoned and lonely. And I look at my own life, there have been, I, I can remember multiple times where I've gotten angry with God. I mean, many of you know that um, for a lot of my years, not so much in the last number of years, but a lot of years I've really struggled with depression up and down. And I was even on antidepressants for a while at one point. And, and man, I remember sometimes just being so angry with God because, you know, God felt called into ministry to be a pastor and you have to, you know, be joyful and love people and put together a message. And if you know anything about depression, when it's really heavy, you have zero motivation. It's like you're living under a dark cloud and everything just seems so gloomy. And yet, you know, trying to put together a message when you're under the weight of depression. I mean, I mean, I remember years ago sometimes just like, God, like, why in the world is being angry at him? Knowing very well that he'd never leave me forsaken, knowing very well that he was going to get me through, knowing very well I could make it, but it's just sometimes that the emotion of anger can flow out. And if you're honest with yourself, there probably have been times in your life where you have felt abandoned. Or you just don't understand what's going on, and you're saying, God, why? I mean, why did you do a miracle there in my life, but not now when I really need you? Or, God, why'd you work in that person's life, and you're not working in mine? You, you don't understand. You feel abandoned. And the reality is, uh, the Bible gives us permission to be angry with God. Even there's a slight bit of permission even on the cross, because this feeling of abandonment, can be sort of associated with anger, but even if we just take the feeling of being abandoned by God, Jesus himself felt abandoned by God on the cross. I mean, you look at Matthew 27, it says, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out in a loud voice. This is a voice from his soul. Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, Jesus would have known, we know, that he wasn't actually abandoned because you can't split up the Trinity. You can't split up the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that God never leaves us nor forsakes us, but as he took the sin upon the world and entered that darkness, it felt emotionally for sure that he was abandoned by God, and he expresses that. I feel abandoned. My God, my God, where are you? And he's actually quoting Psalm 22, 
which says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Again, all over the scriptures that we've been talking about, there's, there's permission to release this, this unedited kind of language from our, from, our, from our being. Again, Jesus knew he's not abandoned. Jesus knew that he's not forsaken, <laughs> but he sure felt like it. And even on the cross, there's this permission to, to voice this feeling of abandonment at times when we feel like we're sinking into darkness and we're feeling like we're having a hard time maybe holding on to God. We look at Job last week. Job, when he loses everything, his family, all his kids he loses, all his wealth, all his possessions, his livelihood, even his health, that, that a lot of Job is actually expressing this anger at God. Like in Job 9, it says, So who am I that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I can only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me. For he attacks me with a storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. I mean, that, that's just how he's feeling emotionally in that moment. And he's releasing it. And again, just as with lament, there seems to be this permission in Scripture to lament, and God doesn't just step in there and try to fix it, or God just kind of lets it be, because it's healthy to release those kinds of emotions. I mean, Job in Job 10, he says, I am uh, disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. Let my, my bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands? And, and so although Job, he's, he's lamenting, as we talked about last week, and, and he's expressing anger, yet it's interesting, in Job 42, it says, after the Lord finished speaking at Job, he said to Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me. And so again, God was frustrated with Job's friends, because he says they didn't speak accurately about, uh, about them. But then it says this, which is kind of an odd verse. It says, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. <laughs> like God is saying Job has spoken accurately. But you read through Job, <clears throat> uh, Job does not speak theologically accurate at all throughout the book of Job. I mean, there are a lot of things that Job says that are not theologically accurate. But maybe what God is hinting at is that, that God is saying that Job has spoken accurately because he's speaking out of his emotions. That he's actually being real, and he's being vulnerable, and he's being true to what he's actually, he actually feeling. But Job is not the only one. You look at a lot of the greats in Scripture. A lot of the great people in Scripture at, at times voice this frustration. And if you say, well, I never get angry with God. I, I, my faith is too big. Well, then you're saying your faith is bigger than a lot of the great people in the Bible. <laughs> look at Jeremiah. I mean, how's this for not being happy with God in the moment? Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? He's talking to God. You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. <laughs> so he says to God. Yet he's incredibly faithful. What he went through, you read the book of Jeremiah, he, he kills me in anything on how faithful he is. I mean, he went through so much. But he, there's a moments when he's just emotionally loaded with frustration and pain, and he's just releasing this. And, and yet God just, he, 
lets it sit. Psalm 10. O Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide when I am in trouble? The wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. Or Psalm 13, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? And, and so again, when we look at the full breadth of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, there seems to be this room for being angry with God. There seems to be allowance with this. It's not always God trying to step in there and fix this. Now, you must understand there are some people in the church who would teach that it's always wrong to be angry with God. And so I'm just stating my opinion on this subject. And so there are those who would just say it's always wrong to be angry with God. But the problem with that is if you're feeling angry, then if you think it's always wrong, then the only option is to suppress it or somehow to pretend it's not there. And it's not what God wants. He always wants us to be real and vulnerable. And therefore, if you're actually feeling it, then you need to express it. And God is the safe place to actually express your feeling of anger. Because it's not always healthy for me to express it to you because none of us are fully emotionally mature. <laughs> anger hurts us because we're never fully secure in ourselves and we're never fully secure in our identity in God. So I share my anger, it might hurt you. But God is completely secure. He's 100% settled in his identity. <laughs> There's nothing we can say to him that is going to you know, cause him to feel miserable about himself. Or He's the perfectly safe place. He's the only one who's completely emotionally mature where we actually have a safe place to tell him how we are feeling. The only other option is for you to somehow think it's not there or somehow stuff it. And as we've taught in the series, when you stuff your emotions, they don't go away. They tend just to get worse. There's a couple more examples. Psalm 44, wake up, O Lord, why do you sleep? Get up, do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up, help us, ransom us because of your unfailing love. And again, he understands God is love, and this is often where our frustration comes from because we know he is unfailing love, but if you admit sometimes you feel like, where is that in this moment? <laughs> because I'm suffering, and I'm struggling, and I don't know which way is up. Well, if that's you, you're, you're not alone at all in the scripture. And of course, we know uh, Jonah, a whole story, which is kind of opposite anger. He's actually angry with God because God is too loving. And the reality is sometimes that actually makes us angry as well. You know, God was forgiving the Ninevites, who were the most evil, awful, torturous people on the planet, who did horrible, awful, and evil, torturous things to the people of Israel. And Jonah goes there and preaches to them, and they all repent and open their heart to God. And Jonah is so mad. God, how can you be that loving? I know people in the church like that, who are angry, in a sense, by the way they act, that God is that loving to people on the outside. You know, we want, we want barriers, we want walls to those kinds of people. Look at them. And sometimes we can actually get angry because God is so loving. That was Jonah angry at God, and yet God still loves Jonah. He blesses him with a plant, and if you read the whole story. <clears throat> now, anger at God is actually an express, an expression of connection. This is one of the reasons why it's not a bad thing. Now, it can be moved towards an unhealthy kind of expression, but that anger with God in itself is not a horrible thing. Because again, for one, if you're feeling that way, you, you can't suppress it, you can't pretend it's not there, you have to deal with it, and the only person you can honestly deal with stuff often is God. So right there, there's that connection. But 
often we get most angry with people who are most close to us. You know that? I mean, you know, because I'm, I preach stuff, and, and I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but there's actually not all Christians agree on everything. I don't know if you know that, but it's true. And so, whenever I put stuff out, or anybody puts stuff out, I mean, there's always people who disagree with you, and I don't get a lot of it the odd time, you know, you know, I might get maybe an email from some guy in Texas saying, Jesse, you're a heretic, or that's crap, whatever you said, and it, I, I'm just like, I don't know this guy, I have no relationship with this person, it, it doesn't really even affect me at all, it doesn't make me angry, it's just like, you know, they, I know Christians disagree on tons of stuff, so it doesn't affect me at all, but if I got the same email from someone maybe who's close to me, who I've invested in, they've been friends with me, and, and, and they send me an email, say, sorry, I'm just leaving the church, we're done, you know, that makes me angry, because I'm close to them, and it's the same with God in our anger, when, when I mean, if we think about some, some distant God out there who doesn't give a rip about us and far away, and, you know, something happens, we, we might not get angry at him because he's distant, but if, when you're in relationship with God, and you've tasted his love and his gentleness and his touch and he's holding you and he's hugging you and then at the same time you're going through something that you don't understand that that anger is actually coming out of that connection and so to acknowledge that often our anger is a sign of faith it's a sign of our love for for god because of that uh that connection i just want to show a, a quick video because uh there's another Carol actually post, posted a little video on the, the Facebook members page, and it was a song. I'm not going to play the song, but the little prequel to the song is just speaking about this, that, that sometimes our questioning of God, again, is actually just coming out of the heart of being, being a son. And it's just a 45-second clip. clip uh, let, me, let me play. Why, God? That's the question I asked when the doctors told me my dad may not live another day. I remember in that season feeling like such a bad Christian, like I wasn't allowed to ask that question, why? But then I became a dad, and my little boy started asking those why daddy questions. And he didn't always understand the answers, but what he did understand is that he could ask me anything, and I wanted every single question especially the hard ones. And it was there God showed me that he's not afraid of my hard questions either. And that asking why God didn't make me a bad Christian, make me a kid. And he's my dad. Asking those hard questions doesn't make you a bad Christian, it makes you a kid. And when you understand how good God is and how safe he is, all of a sudden you feel this permission to actually be vulnerable with him. And a lot of times we don't express our anger because we think, if I express my anger, somehow God is going to reject me. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a, a failing of the view of God's love and goodness towards us. You know, I grew up in a home where I couldn't actually fully express my anger because it wasn't safe. And it's the only thing I could do was stuff it. I mean, I think back what it would be like to actually be growing up in a home where you could actually express how you were feeling. And we have that home with the Father, where the Father looks at us and says, you know, it's okay if you're frustrated. It's okay if you don't understand. It's okay if you vent that anger. It's not going to hurt me. I'm secure, but I am actually a safe place. And again, as we talked about last week, it is that it, uh, vulnerability that actually leads us towards intimacy with 
with God. C.S. Lewis wrote this book. It's kind of like a, an allegory, a fictional story called um, Till We Have Faces. And it's the story of this, this uh, woman who really got the short end of the stick in life. And uh, she finally gets to stand before the gods. And she's complaining to these gods how the gods treated her horribly and how you know, her abuse and turmoil and just everything that went wrong in her life, she's venting towards the god, her anger at the gods for how she had to live. And then, and then she goes through it all again. And as she goes through this all again, she begins to process. And one of the things she says as she processes this, she says this. And C.S. Lewis writes this. When the time comes to you, at which you will be forced at the last to utter the speech which is laying at the center of your soul for years. I saw well why the gods do not speak to us openly. How can they meet us face to face till we have faces? So read that again. When the time comes to you when at which you will be forced at last to utter the speech which is laying at the center of your soul for years. Because I saw well why the gods do not speak to us openly. How can they meet us face to face till we have faces? And you might be like, I don't know what that means. Well, well thankfully, C.S. Lewis wrote a letter and he explains what he meant. And he means that how can we meet God face to face and expect him to have an intimate conversation with us when we are wearing a mask? It is not until we take off that mask until we have a face that we are going to have an intimate connection with God. And often we wear masks and we pretend we're not angry. We wear masks and we pretend we have it all together. We wear masks and pretend I'm not dealing with shame. And we wonder why I feel distant from God. It's that time to pull off those masks. And this goes right back to the core understanding that God loves you no matter who you are. And often we wear those masks because we're, we're afraid that if God, if I actually tell you what I think about why, when I'm angry with you, or if I just really open up my shame to you, that you're going to reject me, just like everybody else has rejected me, and, and, and you're going to reject me, but God won't. And this is why it's so important to understand and trust that God is good, and He loves you, and He is a safe place. He's not going to be offended. He's so secure in the father-son relationship. It doesn't matter what you say. And it's when you realize to be vulnerable and take off that mask that you will discover this beautiful intimacy with God. I just want to finish on this note as well, because we, we poked at this a little bit last week, that, that, that lament is a bridge to hope and connection with God. And this is one of the interesting things you see in the Psalms with, with people who are angry with God, that often, again, just as lament, there's this lament, and then it reaches out towards hope. When people are releasing their anger towards God, there's something freeing about that, that all of a sudden, they find this beautiful connection with God. Like Psalm 13 Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. And so releasing this frustration and anger and God, where are you? And then he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good. Again, there's something about when you release emotion that it makes you feel good. And when you release it to 
God, knowing he's a safe place, that all of a sudden when you get rid of that, all of a sudden that void in your heart is filled with this love and this comfort and hope. And when you trust God to be able to take your emotions and you hand them over, all of a sudden that void is filled with his presence and love. And I don't know how many times when I think back to those times when I was frustrated and, and angry with God, that, you know, I'd let it out and all of a sudden I just, I'd feel hope. And you'd feel the strength, and you'd feel this, this, that God's going to carry you through. In Psalm 30, another example. It's the last example here. Again, angry with God. He says, you turned away from me, and I was scattered. I cried out to you, O Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying, what will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. And then it says this. And you know, sometimes we don't know how long it was before between verse 10 and 11. Because these are poems, these are songs. And if you've ever written a poem or a song, sometimes that can be a month in the making. I mean, maybe the first 10 verses were, were written in their turmoil, and, then, and then, then later, a month later, God steps in, and then the rest of the psalm is written. We don't know. But after being angry with God, he, he writes, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And this is the process of, of death and resurrection. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Three days later, resurrection. And this is often the story of our life where we have these periods of death on the cross and we're like, God, where are you? And I don't understand and I'm so frustrated and we die to ourselves and we hand it over to God and then a day later, a month later, a year later, there's resurrection. And we're like, God, you're so good. You're so beautiful. You are my strength. You are my song. And so, Father, we thank you. You're always there. I thank you, Father, that we don't have any safe place in this world that you are our safe place, that you can handle what is going on inside. I oh, God, that you won't run from us, that you won't shame us, that you won't abandon us. So God, I pray, as I prayed last week, God, that you teach us to be more and more vulnerable with you. God, we want to experience intimacy beyond this world with you. And God, we know the block's not on your side, but it's often in our own heart and our own thinking. So God, Teach us to have faces. Teach us to pull off those masks. And God, we thank you that in life when we experience death that there is always resurrection. God, that right now that you are resurrecting parts of our lives, that you are breathing in life in those dark places, that you are pouring in your spirit to give us life. In Jesus' name.